0: Good evening, everybody. It is 5 p.m., and you're listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM, brought to you by CFRC's News Collective Alexandra Fernandez, Dinah Janssen, Chancellor Merrickle, Christina Laurie, Zayden Ferguera, Erica Singh, and Mary McKetty. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here are your local news headlines. The Coldest Night of the Year fundraiser is taking place on February 25th. While it has been a fairly mild winter in Eastern Ontario, the Coldest Night of the Year is fast approaching. This is an international fundraiser that is held on February 25th. Coldest night of the year includes teams signing up to fundraise, setting team goals and participating in a family friendly two or five kilometer walk on February 25th. As the CNOY website says, by walking in the cold, you'll feel a hint of the challenge faced by those experiencing homelessness during winter. By fundraising, you'll be contributing much needed money to a charity in your town that is bringing hope and help to people in your community who need support. Since 2011, the Coldest Night of the Year has raised over $57 million across Canada in 166 communities where 100% of net proceeds stay local to support Coldest Night of the Year charity partners. Lion Hearts, a registered charity operating in both Ottawa and Kingston, is organizing the local Coldest Night of the Year Walk for Kingston to help fundraise in support of winter programming, including emergency and warming shelters, as well as the community nutrition and weekend food box programs. Dozens of Kingstonians have made use of the shelter spaces this winter, while the demand for food has only increased throughout the pandemic. For more information about the Lionheart CNOY walk, visit cnoy.org slash location slash Kingston West End. City staff will begin to look for best practices around an additional tax for residential units in the Kingston area that are left vacant. Part of staff's job will be collecting data on exactly how many residential properties remain vacant in Kingston. The motion was proposed and seconded by two first-term councillors, Connie Glenn and Paul Chase, respectfully, at last Tuesday's council meeting, and was approved with a vote of twelve to one. Connie Glenn, Sydenham District Councillor, said while it's not a solution to the massive housing problem, it could be a relatively quick way to open up more property to. Add actually be used. If we've got available residential property that is sitting vacant, this is a movement to urge people to do something with that property, Glenn said. Glenn said while some may be concerned that it is proposed as a tax, the easy solution to avoiding that tax would be to do something with the property, whether that be to move in, rent out, or sell to someone who will use it. Other municipalities have implemented a similar tax including Hamilton, Ottawa, and Toronto, with tax rates typically landing at 1% of the property's value and a number of different exceptions for houses that may be vacant for extenuating circumstances like repairs or death of the property's owner. Councillor Lisa Osanic pointed out that after implemented a tax of their own in 2017, Vancouver managed to decrease its total number of vacant properties by 36% as of the end of 2021. That tax would come in addition to the federal government's 1% underused housing tax which normally applies to non-residents of Canada and Vancouver's tax also pairs up with the provincial tax implemented in BC. Some councillors said that they received emails ahead of the meeting raising concern about the idea, including from snowbirds. Countryside Councillor Gary Oosterhof, the sole dissenting vote, said before pushing something like this on homeowners, council needs to do a better job at making sure housing developments move forward in the city. He says, We have not... Done our job well enough in the city we make it impossible for some developers to get housing built pittsburgh councillor ryan bohm voted in favor of the motion and said moving forward with it will help the housing crisis but never as much as moving forward with a big development and agreed with oosterhof that development is made too difficult in the city and is much easier in surrounding cities like belleville and brockville he says it is frustrating because the pushback is frequently against densifying by building high rises and often comes off as nimbyism Bohm says approving development is the only meaningful way to attack the housing crisis and basic supply and demand is at play, especially with Kingston's unprecedentedly low vacancy rate of 1.2. Robert Mello, president of the Kingston Rental Properties Association, said this decision by council is, a uh, quote, new challenge to housing, unquote, and that the organization would be discussing their position before being able to comment. In other cities like Ottawa, homeowners are required to declare the status of their home or risk a t- penalty of $250 added to their taxes, and any homeowners who is late declaring could be subject to the penalty. Toronto has estimated that their tax could bring in as much as $66 million in revenue, which in turn could be used to build affordable housing units. Councillor Glenn said of her motion that while a tax isn't going to fix the problem Kingston is facing when it comes to housing, it could help and also show Kingston that there needs to be many hands on decks to address this. It's not meant to be punitive, it's meant to be a wake-up call to our community that we can't do that all by ourselves story is written by owen fullerton of ygk news for the local journalism initiative just to remind you folks that this coming monday is a public holiday it is family day on monday february 20th and that means that city and utilities kingston schedules will be affected by this green bid garbage and recycling there will be no collection on monday collection occurs the day after your regular pickup day on the coming week Um, the kingston area recycling center will be closed on monday Kingston Transit Bus Service will operate on a Sunday schedule on Monday. Kingston Access Services operates with limited service on Monday, and you can call their number for more information. Administrative offices, including housing and social services on Montreal Street, will be closed on Monday, and Utilities Kingston and Kingston Hydro will also be closed. In the event of a utility emergency, such as a gas smell, power outage, or a water main break, you can call Utilities Kingston or Kingston Hydro's 24-hour number. And just a reminder for customers, in terms of time of use Pricing, electricity used on weekends and holidays, including Family Day, prices are off-peak. The Invista Center and Arenas, the Fitness Center, will be open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and the front desk is open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. The Artillery Park Aquatic Center is open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., so will the Rideau Heights Community Center and the Kingston East Community Center all open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. on Monday. Kingston Frontenac Public Library branches, all of them will be closed on Sunday and Monday, and the Kingston Grand Theatre box office is also closed, but you can purchase tickets online for any shows 24 hours a day, kingstongrand.ca, the TED Centre will be closed, as well as the Pump House Museum. But those are all your news updates for you right now. Um, Let's throw it over to Erica Singh with our Campus Corner for the week.
1: Hello and welcome to Campus Corner. My name is Erica Singh, and here are your campus news headlines for today. The first floor of the Stauffer Library at Queen's has been named the Daniel R. Wolfe Gallery, in recognition of Principal Emeritus Daniel R. Wolfe. The unveiling ceremony took place on February 10th and was attended by Queen's faculty and staff who gathered in the lobby of Stauffer Library to celebrate the naming of the first floor. The ceremony was opened by Principal Patrick Dean, who reflected on Wolfe's principalship and achievements, noting that his 10-year fundraising campaign which raised over $640 million, was the largest in the university's history. In addition to overseeing the fundraising campaign, Wolf also introduced a new budget model that allowed Queens to hire new faculty and conduct more groundbreaking research. He also oversaw the construction of new buildings, including the Mitchell Hall Medical Building, the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts, the Smith School of Business, and the revitalization of the Richardson Stadium. Wolf also launched the Queens Remembers Initiative in 2017 to commemorate those who have made significant contributions to the university. The first series was honored by the Anishinaabe and the Haudenosaunee people upon whose traditional lands Queens was built. Dean noted that it was fitting to recognize and honor Wolf's impact with a nod to this initiative. The first floor of the library will undergo renovations over the next year and the space will be transformed into a gallery that will showcase the history and achievements of the university. With its new name in place, the Daniel R. Wolf Gallery will serve as a permanent reminder of the contributions that Wolfe made to Queens and his dedication to improving the university's financial situation and academic achievements. Next, a Queens University staff member accused of sexual harassment has returned to campus after being reassigned to remote duties. An anonymous Bachelor of Fine Arts student reported the staff member, Ryan Laidman after he sent her inappropriate texts, including asking for pictures of her in her Halloween costume. Laidman received a one-day suspension and will undertake training through the university, but the student is concerned about other female students in the program who will have contact with Laidman after she graduates. The university did not provide a specific statement to the harassment allegations. In other news, Queen's University has released a new HR strategic plan called Empowering Our People for 2022-2025. The plan focuses on a people-first approach and emphasizes employee well-being, operational excellence, talent management, and diversity and equity. The university plans to create a new Employee Wellness Services Unit and implement various initiatives that promote a healthy and accessible workplace. The plan includes providing development opportunities, strategic advice and a people-first approach to talent management, from onboarding to retirement. The goal is to engage and empower employees at Queen's. Next, Nancy Van Dusen, a professor in the Department of History at Queen's, has been awarded the Principal Emeritus Daniel R. Wolf Professorship in the Humanities. The professorship rotates within the 11 Humanities Departments at Queen's and moves every five years. Van Dusen's work focuses on slavery, indigeneity, and gender in the historical context of Spain and colonial Latin America. She hopes to attract international students to Queens and work on her research project during her five-year term. That's all for Campus Corner today. Now over to sports.
2: Good evening, everyone. My name is Zayden Vergara and it's time for your CFRC Sports Roundup. Queen's University's Cross Country's Tanner Huglin, was named to Team Canada for the World Cross Country Championship in the U-20 category. The championship is set to take place on February 18th in Bathurst, Australia. Last weekend, two dynasties remained intact at the OUA Squash Championship as the Western Mustangs claimed their 39th consecutive men's division title and the Queen's Gales earned their 8th straight women's division title. Neither team dropped a set the entire tournament in their respective divisions on their way to dominating wins. Maddie O'Connor of the Queen's Women's Squash Team was also named OUA Athlete of the Week for her performance at the Squash Championship, in addition to receiving the Gales' number one player MVP honors. Finally. The Queen's Men's Curling captured the silver medal at the OUA Men's Curling Championship in Peterborough, Ontario over the weekend. The team of Colin Schnurr, Grant Schnurr, Connor Massey and Owen Purdy advanced to the gold medal game falling to the Laurier Golden Hawks in a close matchup 6-5 to finish the championship with a silver medal and booking their spot in the U Sports Men's Curling Championship. On that note, that's all for your CFRC Sports Roundup. Now over to Chris Laurie with a community update.
3: Thank you, Zayden, from the Sports Desk. My name is Chance, and this is your community update. United Way Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington is excited to celebrate nonprofit volunteers and staff during the second annual Nonprofit Appreciation Week in Ontario from February 13th to 19th, 2023. This well deserved recognition of Ontario's nonprofit sector and its nearly 850,000 workers is based on legislation to recognize nonprofit workers and organizations by the Ontario government. Bill 9, Nonprofit Sector Appreciation Week 2021, was championed by MPP Daisy Y. and the Bayana Family Foundation. The week celebrates the vital role nonprofits and workers play in creating and maintaining healthy, vibrant, and inclusive communities across Ontario. This diverse sector leads social, economic, and environmental change and supports communities across Ontario. To quote, in KFL and A, our community agencies, staff, and volunteers in the nonprofit sector have continued essential services throughout the pandemic, and in many cases, increased services due to demand. Everything from senior support, meal programs, shelters, mental health supports, and so much more to help people in vulnerable situations, said Bhavana Mar- Varma, President and CEO, United Way KFL&A. Volunteers and staff at nonprofits work tirelessly every week of the year. They need our support and appreciation, and celebrating their dedication is what this week is all about. United Way KFL&A hopes that community members will take some time during this week to recognize the important work being done each and every day by agencies in human care, arts, recreation, and health care. Spread the message on social media using hashtag Nonprofit Appreciation Week. And now for a Watershed Conditions Statement issued February fifteenth, twenty 2023 from Katarakway Conservation. Cataraqui Conservation has extended the current water safety statement due to above average flows and water levels and the forecast for temperatures above zero. Weather situation... Daytime highs may exceed 10 degrees Celsius today, Wednesday, and near 5 degrees Celsius tomorrow. There is also the possibility of some rainfall over the next few days. Temperatures are expected to fall back to seasonal sub-zero temperatures on Friday, and then we can expect another few higher-than-average temperature days before settling back to seasonal sub-zero temperatures midweek next week. The risks of this temperature change Stream flows and water levels are above average following rainfall on February 9th and due to the ongoing thaw. The warmer temperatures will cause additional snowmelt runoff, sustaining or further increasing flows and water levels on streams and lakes. Flows through water control structures are higher than normal as water managers increase discharge through dams to manage water levels on associated lakes. Cataractway Conservation is urging caution around all dams, inflow and outflow channels, and fast-flowing watercourses. Respect the hazards in these areas by obeying all warning signs, and keep away from booms, buoys, and barriers. Stay well back from the water's edge above and below dams and hydroelectric stations. Creek banks and lake shorelines may be slippery, increasing the chance of falling in. The deterioration of ice conditions is also expected. Cataraqui Conservation does not measure ice thickness for advising the public about ice conditions for recreational activities. Ice conditions can vary considerably from one water body to the next and within a single water body. Widespread flooding is not expected at this time. However, some localized inundation of low-lying areas may occur. If you witness flooding and or require assistance, your first point of contact is the local municipality. Staff will continue to monitor conditions and forecasts and will update statements as needed. This watershed condition statement will remain in effect until after or updated before Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023 at 1159 p.m. For up-to-date flooding information, please visit Cataractway Conservation's Flood Forecasting and Information page at cataractwayconservationca slash pages slash flood. We would like to thank Cataraqui Conservation for the work that they've been doing and for this update. And now over to Dino with the weather.
2: Thanks so much. And now it's time for the CFRC weather report. Tonight, we're expecting partly cloudy skies with wind southwest at 30 kilometers an hour, becoming light overnight and a low of zero. Thursday, mainly cloudy skies with a high of six. Thursday night, periods of rain or snow and a low minus three. On Friday, we'll have a mix of sun and cloud with a 40% chance of flurries and a high minus one. On Friday night, clear, low minus 11. On Saturday, we'll see a mix of sun and cloud and a high plus two. And Saturday night, cloudy periods with a low minus two. And the out. Look for Sunday is cloudy skies with a high plus four and Sunday night cloudy low minus one. Now over to Alexandra Fernandez with the City of Kingston traffic report.
0: Thank you so much. I'm Alexandra Fernandez and here is your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. Albert Street from Princess to 516 Albert will be closed on Thursday, February 9th at 7 a.m. until Friday, February 10th at 5 p.m. Lower Brewer Swingbridge is closed until further notice. McDonnell Street from Johnson to Earl will be closed until the end of today for new service connections. Market Street from Ontario to King will be closed until Saturday, February 11th at 5 p.m and University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until April 31st at 7 p.m. and the right crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace will be closed until October 31st, 2023. The School Streets Initiative is in place from 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. on weekdays, meaning that these streets are closed during those times. McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. The Play Street initiative is also in place. Thomas Street from Cowdy to Patrick is closed 3.30pm to 5.30pm on Mondays until August 28th. Some other delays that you can expect, Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, there will be some delays due to construction. Construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone. Jackson Mills Road from MacIver to Burbrook, you can expect delays from Monday, February 6th, all the way until Friday, February 10th. And Jackson Mills Road near the Canpe Trail is reduced to one lane for roadside safety improvements, but does remain open in both directions. King Street from Princess to Queen, you can expect a sidewalk closure until February 28th. The Portsmouth Waterfront Pathway has closed access to the pathway at the foot of Moat Avenue and Young, as well as east of Lake Watch Lane. And Queen Street from King to Ontario, you can expect a sidewalk closure as well until February 28th. That's your weekly traffic report, and now let's throw it over to Mary McKetty for our events calendar of the week.
4: Thanks so much. I'm Mary McKetty, and this is your events calendar for the week. If you're looking for a groovy addition to your Wednesday night, Abba has got you covered. This sensational tribute band will be returning to the Kingston Grand Theatre, located at 218 Princess Street, alongside Night Fever, a Bee Gees cover band, to transport you back to the glory days of pop music with songs like Waterloo and You Should Be Dancing. This show runs from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. with tickets priced at 48.54 plus HST and a handling fee. Limited seats are available, so make sure to get your tickets now at kingstongrand.ca slash events. Whether midterms have got you stressed or you need a February pick-me-up, make sure to stop by Mitchell Hall located at 69 Union Street this Thursday from 12 to 1 p.m. to pet a therapy dog. Oscar is a fluffy golden retriever that stops by every week with his handler, John, to add some well-deserved positivity into your day. Also on Thursday, UNICEF Queens, Quebec, and Greenovations will be hosting Tea Time Talk in Room 226 of Ellis Hall, located at 58 University Avenue. Tea Time Talk is an informative discussion on climate change and eco-conscious consumerism, so if you have any interest in these subject areas, be sure to check it out. It's free and no registration is required. This Saturday, make sure to keep your eyes on Solis for your winter term exam schedule. Once you've taken care of that, head on over to Beers for Queers Night in Monty's room at Tiernanog Irish Pub, located at 200 Ontario Street. This 19 plus event is a social for LGBTQIA2S plus community members and allies with no cover price, so make sure to stop by for an evening of spirited fun. I'm Mary McKetty, and those are all the events we're highlighting for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in to CFRC's news programming. If you ever have a news story or tip to share, please reach out to news at cfrc.ca. Stay tuned for more programming coming up next.
0: Thank you for listening to The Scoop, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.